Hi, everybody. Welcome to Matchbook series on the EBPL podcast. My name is Paul. I'm the adult services librarian here. What we try to do with Matchbook is match people with certain genres of books that are right for them. So I had a question come in on the topic of nature. They're a big fan of new nature books. It doesn't have to be brand new, but anything published in the last five years, they would like to take a look at. So they said they're a big fan of Elizabeth Colbert. If anybody's read her book, The Sixth Extinction, it's an excellent book about how humanity is affecting the planet and the ripple effects of that. That includes things like bee colonies that are being destroyed and rainforests that are being torn down and the effects that those have for the rest of humanity, people living thousands of miles away. So I'd like to start off with one I read recently. It is called What It's Like to Be a Bird by David Sibley. David Sibley is an American ornithologist and author. His latest book is a reference book on all different types of birds. He'll cover each bird for maybe two pages and provide an excellent illustration of said bird. It's a way of identifying the bird visually, but also he'll go into the characteristics of that bird and answer such questions as, can birds smell? How do they hear the worms or feel the worms that they're finding in the grass or in the mud? Is the bird that's at my bird feeder the same bird that was there last year? Is it migrating the same path? He'll go through things such as songbirds, shorebirds, game birds, all different types to provide a foundation of how to perceive these birds, their characteristics, how they impact their environment, and how they make the most out of their environment. One of the joys of the book is that you could pick it up at basically any page and read for maybe four pages, set it down, come back, and pick it up again. It could be enjoyed in these little bits. You don't have to read in order read it at your leisure. Also, unless you're a huge bird fanatic, chances are you'll learn quite a lot, such as some birds can sleep in the air. I had no idea that was possible. Or that birds have flexible lenses that could allow them to focus in the water and in the air. But that's just a little bit of what the book has to offer. I learned something new on every page, and you really can't go wrong with the mix of science combined with this picture book quality to it. And at the end of the book, I found myself not only just learning about birds, but appreciating them and what they do for the world and how they survive. The next book I wanted to discuss is Islands of Abandonment by journalist and author Cal Flynn. Now, my issue with a lot of modern nature books is that they tend to be either too alarmist, as if the world is ending tomorrow, or they tend to be too bright-eyed too hopeful and I think it's only right to find a middle ground in that and that's what the author does with this book. She travels to places that have been ravaged by humanity where the living conditions are nearly impossible but where nature is making somewhat of a comeback and what this means for humanity. She asks us to consider what is the consequence for all this, this ruin, And what is it likely to do to us all if we ignore the consequences of this? And the result is a twisted form of nature writing applied to things that are really catastrophic. And we find resilience in the locations that she travels to. She went to Chernobyl, where people are still living there. 
and where much of the animal population has returned to the area. And the people there are risking their health because of the radiation. But it's fascinating to see the reasons they've stayed, how they interact with nature, and how they've become part of the landscape without hardly any electricity. She'll also travel to demilitarized zones between countries to see how many of the demilitarized zones go on for an expanse of 50 to 100 miles. So she was able to work her way into there to figure out how nature is rebounding in those kind of places as well, because they're relatively untouched in those spaces. I think my favorite chapter in the book was when she went to an island called Swana, which I'd never heard of. You probably haven't either. It's off the coast of Scotland. It's been abandoned by people for roughly 100 years, and there's been wild cattle there that have been repopulating the island. She used the term rewilding, going back to an entirely undomesticated way of living. And it's a rare object of study, fascinating to look at. A total picture view of her work is full of danger, alarm, and threat. But at the same time, you also get this feeling of the possibility, natural recolonization and adjustment, and the possibilities within that sphere as well. It is a really nuanced take on a difficult subject, and I think she walks the line very well between optimistic and pessimistic. The next question we have here is about books on the subject of found family or a ragtag group of misfits. The person specifically requests books that will show how the characters grow together throughout the book to solve a common goal or how they become better friends over time. I had actually read a book about a group of people who became found family, and usually that would take on a more traditional fiction route. But through this, it was a mystery. It's called The Postscript Murders by Ellie Griffiths. It's the second in a series, the first being The Stranger Diaries, but you don't need to read the first to enjoy the second because it goes in a different direction. Although I must say the first was an excellent start to the series. I would put it in the cozier side of mystery novels. Fans of Anthony Horowitz, Agatha Christie would enjoy this one. It is partially set at a nursing home or retirement community, which I notice has been a major trend in cozy mysteries over the past two years or so. And I've read a few of them. I must say, I don't particularly like them. I find them trite for the most part. But this book, I think, does an excellent job of incorporating that aspect into the overall narrative. So it starts off with the death of a 90-year-old woman from a heart condition. Doesn't seem suspicious. Doesn't seem like it would prompt any further investigation, but it turns out the woman had an unusual background, some sort of involvement in a international crime ring, and she has crime novels in her apartment, all of which are dedicated to her, making for a very strange setup to the novel. The people who take up the cause of trying to find the murderer are people who this woman had an impact on. She positively affected their lives, and they think they owe it to her to find her killer. So, these people have very little in common with each other. Some of them were her helpers at the nursing home or friends of those people. Others are residents of the nursing home. So, the age gap alone makes for an interesting dynamic between the characters often leading to very humorous situations. 
Of course, they work with the police force as well. So it's a group of armchair detectives working with actual trained detectives, and it makes for an interesting interplay between the two paths. It's an interesting and layered read. You get to see the characters develop in ways that you wouldn't normally expect. And I would say my favorite aspect of so many cozy mysteries is that it is difficult to predict who the actual murderer is. But if you follow some of the breadcrumbs she puts out there, it's also possible to solve the murder if you're reading very closely. I love when authors make it difficult, but also possible to go about it in this way. Another book I'd like to discuss on found family, ragtag group of friends, is Every Heart a Doorway by Shannon McGuire. It's a fantasy novel where children are slipping through portals into magical world. They will often come back to the real world, but have a tough time adapting, which I can't really blame them. If I slipped through a portal into a magical world, I think I would also have a difficult time returning to civilization. So our story is set at a home for wayward children who have returned to the world and are experiencing these difficulties. The children at this home try to find a way to pull together and try to understand what went wrong, why they were the ones to fall through these cracks, and why they're at this home, and why this woman is running this home. This is such a large concept, but she manages to write the whole story in just 170 pages, so the writing is really concise and tight, and the world building is done so quickly, but in a way that brings you right into the atmosphere. And even though it's written about children, there's a certain level of maturity, which I guess you would gain from experiencing these kind of things so young in life. I hope you like those recommendations. The EBPL podcast can be listened to at anchor.fm backslash EBPL library or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, thanks to Melissa Hosick, who edits the podcast. Thank you and see you next time.